You can see condensed video versions of my devotional studies on YouTube. The graphics and the scripture verses displayed on the screen make these video debos an experience that will bless, uplift, and instruct you. Go to the YouTube website and type in my name, Dennis Pollock, and you'll quickly find our YouTube channel. Today we'll look at 1 John chapter 2, and he begins with these words, My little children, get the idea he's an older man at this point, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. Mm. So he's he's saying, here's why I'm writing this to you. Mm. I don't want you to sin. Boy. Now, let me ask you, uh, how many times do you recall a pastor saying, well, I'm going to preach this sermon, and the reason I'm preaching this is so that you won't sin? Um, I don't think. <laughs> we don't do that too much. <laughs> no, you don't hear that very commonly. In fact, we I don't I, hear I, that too much, yeah. I don't ever remember hearing that. Okay. A lot of people would say, well, John, we're all sinners. We sin every day, every moment. Uh, you know, how can you say you're writing that we may not sin? But mm. John is of the opinion that Christians ought not to be constantly, continually, flagrantly sinning. And we're going to see that over and over in this book. So he's like, here's why I'm writing. Now, he, he, he doesn't say I'm writing this that you may be saved. He's saying I'm, he, he's writing to Christians. He calls them my little children. So he says, I'm writing that you may not sin. But he does go on to say, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous. So he's declaring we have someone that can advocate on our behalf and uh, br- bring about forgiveness if we do sin. Mm. But he's saying, I'm writing so that you won't sin. Okay, now I'm understanding something. Yeah. Like, now he's talking to already believers. Yes, he is. And he's like, um, I am talking to you and, uh, you know, teaching you this as, uh, you know, my children. You know, it's good to get your children, uh, uh, you know, the kind of... Uh, um, dinner table and be like hey you are, I am teaching you this <laughs> yeah so that you don't get get off track uh, you don't sin uh, so uh, yeah I'm understanding here that he is talking to believers and then you know as believers um, our human flesh wants a whole lot sometimes and then it can be like getting off track <laughs> yeah, sometimes it wants the wrong things it's okay yeah. when your flesh wants the right things right but sometimes your flesh wants, wants the wrong, the wrong things. Th- all the wrong things the flesh wants yeah. and sometimes this flesh rules you know our whole life we'll be like yielding to that which the flesh wants like i gotta do this i gotta get this i gotta eat this i gotta have that you know and uh all the cookies in the jar, like, don't eat too much of that, or don't eat it at all. Diabetes is on the way. You'll be like, I gotta have one, I gotta have two. Well, <laughs> maybe one cookie won't hurt too much, but don't eat a dozen of them. <laughs> so, so, yeah, he's like letting us know that even if you fall into temptation or fall into sin, yeah, remember that you have Jesus Christ who will always bring you back yeah. in. Which is important to know because sometimes if you blow it and you, you do something you know was a sin, mm. you know didn't please the Lord, we can feel like, well, what's the use? I, you know, I've messed up so bad, God probably doesn't even want me back. Mm. And that's not true. Yeah. God calls, uh, calls us back to him when mm. we do fall mm. away. So he goes on to say he himself is the propitiation Kind of a long, fancy word there. Yeah, Propitiation no. <laughs> for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Uh, an important verse, Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. That is the atoning sacrifice, mm-hmm. the one whose death makes it possible for us to be forgiven of our sins, the propitiation. 
Now, every Christian gets that, but what might be a little controversial is the second part of that verse where he says, not only for our sins, that is, we Christians, he's a propitiation uh, for the sins of the whole world. He says, not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now, some people have taken verses like this, and there's a few of them, and they've said, well, you see, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, which is true, but they imply and say this infers that therefore the whole world has already been forgiven and God doesn't hold anybody's sins against them at any time, you know, at all. Well, here's a guy who's just a, a rotten sinner, let's say. He's not by any means a Christian. He's going out doing terrible things, Mm. robbing, beating people, uh, hurting little children, doing Mm. terrible things. Uh, would we say God doesn't even notice that? God doesn't care about that? That man's sins are already forgiven. And the answer is no. It's not that God doesn't care or God doesn't notice or even that his sins are forgiven. Jesus is the potential Savior of the world. His propitiation for our sins is potential until we receive him as our Savior. Then it becomes practical in our lives. So, yeah, Jesus potentially forgives everybody. Jesus potentially remits the sins of everybody, but that won't apply to you unless you receive him as your Savior. That's when the potential becomes the real. What do you say? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, There is no uh, remission of you know, uh, sins in one's life if you have rejected Jesus. Okay, yeah. um, he, he, because yes, he died for the whole world, but he has just said it in in John chapter, you know, one verse two. As many as received him, as many as you know uh, believed in him, he gave the right to be called children of God. Yeah, which implies that if you don't receive him and you don't believe in him. You don't have you are that still right. With your sins. And you're still in your sins, which Jesus said. He said, if you don't believe that I'm he, you'll die in your sins. Mm. Let me read a verse from uh, John chapter 3, the Nicodemus chapter, where he comes yeah. to Jesus and Jesus tells him you have to be born again. At the end of that chapter, uh, now uh, this is uh, written most likely by John himself. I don't think he's really quoting anybody. He says, he who believes in the Son, of course, Jesus, mm. has everlasting life. But he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the Mm. wrath of God abides on him. Mm -hmm. Well, if Jesus has already died for his sins and forgiven him, how can the wrath of God abide on him? Mm -hmm. And abide means remain. Mm. So John, uh, John is saying, if you don't believe in Jesus, God's wrath for your sinful, wicked life abides on you. It's still there. So again, when John writes in First John, what we just now read, he died, he's a propitiation not only for our sins, but for the whole world. Mm. He's saying potentially he's the savior of the world. Mm. He's the savior for everybody, every Asian, every Hispanic, every white, every black, every person, mm. period. He's the savior for yeah, everybody, yeah. potentially. But until you receive him, uh, you better not count on him being your savior mm. because uh, he's only going to be... Uh, truly your Savior when you receive him. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on. He says, now, by this we know that we know him. Mm. So that's an important thought. He says, here's how you know if you know him. Now, some people might say, well, I know him because I prayed the sinner's prayer five Mm -hmm. years ago. Mm -hmm. 
somebody said, you know, please pray with me, Jesus, I believe in you. And you say, Jesus, I believe in you. Mm. Forgive my sins. You say, forgive my sins. And you, you pray what we call the sinner's prayer. John doesn't say, by this we know him, that we prayed the sinner's prayer. It's kind of amazing what he does say. He says, by this we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, John is like, here's the evidence that you really know Christ. You keep his commandments. You go around doing good. You love people. You forgive people. You uh, love keep, your neighbors. Love your neighbors. You keep yourself pure sexually. You don't fool around. Mm. Uh, you don't tell lies. You don't steal. He says, here's how you know that you know him. Mm. Not just because you prayed a sinner's prayer. Not just because you got baptized in water. But you keep his commandments. John is like, if you've got the real faith, mm. you're going to keep his commandments. No, you won't be perfect, but you're going to sure try and, and more, and <laughs> in a large sense, you will succeed. Yeah. Now look what he says further in verse four. He says, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Mm. So John says, you're, you're saying, I know him. I know Jesus. I'm a believer. I've received him as my Lord and Savior. I prayed the sinner's prayer. He says, you say I know him, but you don't keep his commandments. You're still lying. You're mm. still stealing. You're still fornicating. He says, you're a big liar. The truth is not in you. So this is a big issue in the church today. There's a lot of people that say, you just believe, and you don't have to change. Mm. In fact, you hardly need to change. God wouldn't even expect you to change. You're just a believer. You may be a liar, but you're a believing liar. You may be a fornicator, but you're a believing fornicator. John says, you may say, I know him, and you're not doing what he says. You are a liar. Mm. So he goes on to say, but whoever keeps his word, you know, you follow what he says. Truly, the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we're in him. How do we know? We're keeping his word. We're following his commandments. Now, it's not like that's how you get saved. You say, well, I'm going to start obeying the commandments of Jesus and I know I'll go to heaven. No, we're saved by faith. We know that. Mm. Jesus said it. Paul said it. And John declares it here in this, in this book. Mm. But John is saying, you, you you will be a follower of Christ. You will keep his commandments. Yeah. You will obey his words. And if you say, I know him, but you don't do any of that, you're just like you were before. He's like, well, you're just lying. He goes on to say, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. And walk, of course, we've said this before, means how you live daily. If you or someone you love has diabetes, you'll be blessed by our YouTube channel called Beat Diabetes. Benedict and I conduct blood sugar tests on ourselves. I interview guests that have seen dramatic victory over diabetes. I share reviews of books and documentaries about lowering blood sugar. And I give talks about the keys to getting your A1C down in a hurry. I'm convinced that by God's grace, you can find victory in your struggle with diabetes. Go to YouTube and in their search engine, type in the words, Beat Diabetes, Dennis Pollock. You live the way he lived. You walk like he walked. He who says he abides in him ought to walk like he walked. Mm. What do you think? 
Yeah, the thing is like sometimes we may not really get it perfectly the way Jesus did it. <laughs> right. Well, none of us can none live up to his, yeah, he, his lifestyle. Obviously, uh, he he had some help being the son of God. Yeah. You know, he had an advantage over us that we don't have. Mm. But but yeah. we are trying our best. Yeah, we're trying. And uh, by the grace of God and by the help of the Holy Spirit reminding us when we are, you know, uh, shifting to the wrong side of life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, kind of uh, uh, reminding us sometimes we don't listen. Sometimes we don't get it. Like, you know, what is really holding us here? Like um, there's a warning sign the Holy Spirit will give you when you are getting off track. Yeah. But if you are not spiritually inclined, if you are not sensitive in the realm of the Spirit, when it comes to your Holy Spirit walking in and through you, you'll miss it. Yeah. And you just be like heading right into, you know, crashing moments and they kind of uh, where the devil is really waiting for you. And at the same time, it's really great for us to try as much as we, you know, can to, um, live upright. Uh, it's not an easy walk, you know, um, but some people will be like, oh, Christian life is as easy as, you know, it's not a hard walk. It's as, as easy as anything. And all of them are, you know, kind of, uh, crashing and burning so the whole thing is like god help us you know to move uh, uh to live our lives at least um trying as much as possible to keep uh the commandments of jesus and live according to his will concerning our lives and not you know miss we don't have to miss our lives here and at the same time thinking that oh we still got it together heaven is our home you know jesus is our you know this and that and then why he's warning you here that there is a flash yeah <laughs> up in here a warning sign flashing in your eyes like hey don't think you are so perfect devil is so cunning and he can creep in into your life, into your home, into any means, you know, through any means. And you can still think, oh, we are walking up in here to the, you know, to the now, day, day and night. We are so walking, not knowing that you are practicing and promoting the activities of the devil. And then you are so, so far as money, you know, I'm making my coin. I am making my money, uh, whatever it is, <laughs> you know, I'm ready to do it. And the devil is pushing his activities into your life. And then uh, we are abandoning God, abandoning Jesus, abandoning the commandments of Jesus and, uh, you know, engaging so deeply. And the devil knows how to draw you in and put you way in, you know, drag you way in. And then before you put your head up to know that I am drowning here, you know, it's too late. Yeah, let's let's look down at verse nine. There's an interesting pattern that we're going to see in the writings of John, especially in these early chapters. Verse nine, he says, he who says he's in the light and hates his brother, is in darkness until now. So he's like, you say you're in the light. You say I'm a believer. I'm in good relationship with God and Christ. But you show hatred toward your brother. Mm-hmm. He says, you're still in darkness. Now, here's the pattern I want to call your attention to. Yeah. This idea of saying, verse 9, he who says he's in the light, but he hates his brothers in darkness. Then you yeah. skip back up to verse 6. He who says he abides in him ought to walk just as he does. Verse 4, he who says I know him and doesn't keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. And then you go back to chapter 1 and verse uh, uh, 5 or verse 6. He says, if we say 
We have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. We lie and don't practice the truth. So over and over again, he's saying, he who says, he who says, if we say. (laughs) He's talking about people that are talking much about God and Christ. If we say, he who says, I'm in the light. He who says, I know him. He who says, he abides in him. And then he goes on to say, but you don't live it. You're just deceiving yourself and you're lying. So this is one of the common themes of John. He who says. You talk much about God. Now, there are a lot of people in this world, they don't say. They don't talk about God and Christ and say, well, praise God, hallelujah, I'm a believer. Uh, They're just pure, out-and-out, secular Mm. non-believers. They don't say, I'm in the light. They don't say, uh, I abide in Jesus. They don't say anything much, Mm. but uh, and they live a wicked life. Mm. But that's not who John is referring to. He's referring to people that are associating with the church. They say the right things. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is good all the time. They say much, but they don't live it. And he's like, you're lying. You're still in darkness. You're not practicing the truth. You're deceiving yourself. Mm. So he is warning a particular type of people. And the people he's warning are those who identify as Christians. Mm. They go to church. They talk about Jesus. He, he, his name comes off their lips. They say the right things, but mm. they don't live it. And John is warning them and warning people like that. Uh, you're in trouble. You don't know it. You say a good game. You, you talk a good game, but you sure don't live it. I like what he's doing here because uh, he's like, you know, knowing that, okay, the believers are his uh, spiritual, you know, uh, children now. He's kind of, um, teaching them moral life on how to behave and how to live lives in Christendom. And, uh, um, so many at times we may be like, we got it all together. We know how to, you know, the Bible says, work out your salvation. Salvation has been given to us free. But, you know, uh, like he is doing now, if you have children and you just let them live the way they like, there is no time to call your kids back and be like, this is good. This is bad. This is way, way ugly. Don't do this. Yeah. And then you see, this is good. Do that. You see, this is bad. Don't do it. And that kid will be doing all the good, bad things and, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> kind of uh, living a life uh, that will be so shameful to the family. And, you know, everybody will be like, is that not the son of uh, this person? Is that not the daughter of uh, that person? And then you are bringing that bad name to your family. So I think that is what he's like admonishing his children here, like, hey, this is bad. You know, this is good. Don't do this. Uh, don't, don't do that. Do this or do that. This is how to live. You know, we are, yes, we are saved, like I said, but we have to work out our salvation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of people might assume, if you just read this casually, they might say, well, I think John is contradicting Paul because Paul just keeps talking about you just believe, only believe, believe mm-hmm. in Jesus and you'll be saved. And John is saying, if you say you, you believe and you say I'm in the light and you say, I, you know, I'm a child of God, but you don't live it, mm-hmm. uh, you're not. Mm-hmm. And uh, John is not contradicting Paul, however. Mm-hmm. He is simply declaring that there better be a lifestyle transformation to go along with your faith. And if it's real faith, there will be a lifestyle transformation. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that occurs to me as I meditate on this book of 1 John, this epistle, 
is that you don't hear this book preached from nearly so much as people preach from Paul's letters like Romans, Ephesians, and so forth. If you went around and collected sermons from pastors of churches, there'd be lots and lots of sermons from the writings of Paul, Mm -hmm. very few from this book. Uh, Pastors don't seem to like to touch it too much, and I Mm -hmm. think part of it is it makes us uncomfortable because it's it's spoken directly to people who are in the church, who identify as Christians, who say things like, praise the Lord, and yet they don't live it. And John is like, you're just deceiving yourself. You're just lying. Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's get on to uh, this other statement. Verse 9, he who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. So now he's talking about love versus hate. He says, if you talk like you're a Christian, but you show hatred toward your brothers or your sisters or any particular brother or sister, you're still in the dark. One of the evidences, and really this whole book is about the evidence that you really belong to Christ. And one of the strong evidences that you are in Christ Mm. is that you will love your brothers and sisters. You won't hate them. He says, he who hates his brother, or he who loves his brother, this is verse 10, he who loves his brother abides in the light. There's no cause for stumbling. So you love your brother, you love your sister, you're showing love to the believers. John says you're in the light, but he says he who hates his brother is in darkness. He's walking in darkness. He doesn't even know where he's going. The darkness has blinded his eyes. There is a link between hate and darkness. Mm. Uh, Christians are not supposed to hate anyone. Mm. You know, Jesus said, love your neighbor. And uh, the Bible even tells us, love your enemies. Jesus said that as well. Mm -hmm. So we're not supposed to hate anyone, but especially we should not be hating our brothers and sisters in Christ. So Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to live with them forever in eternity. If they're truly saved and we're truly saved, we, we need to learn to get along with them. And hatred just isn't a good thing. Hatred is where you just can't stand someone. You just despise them. You don't want to be around them. You wish something bad would happen to them. And John's like, if that's your attitude, uh, you don't know what the light is. You're not walking in light. You're walking in darkness. I think you're right. Um, God himself, you know, uh, is love. The Bible says God is love. Right. And uh, because God is love in our lives, um, he kind of uh, demonstrated that love through Jesus showing us how much he loves us by sending him. And at the same time, the kingdom of God and the children therein should, should, you know, demonstrate the love of God and let us understand that we are children of love. You know, love is supposed to show, you know, in our lives towards uh, our um, fellow human beings. And at the same time, in the uh, community of God, in the Christendom, in the, you know, uh, in the church or in the ministry of God or in the family of God as a, you know, in general, we should uh, demonstrate love. We should show love to one another. We should love one another, not hating one another. And uh, at the same time, um, uh, showing love to one another, you know, is a whole lot. It comprises so many things of so yep. many things. 